Would you turn with me, please, to Genesis? And I'll give you a specific place to be. We're going to look at chapter 3. It's where I'm going to draft, I think, just principles of appreciation. Two areas specifically that I believe God is just making it very evident of his thoughts, his heart, his high expectation of the value and role of a woman. A woman who in the scriptures will be cited, and that doesn't mean ticketed, it means remembered for being the beginning of what we would say the generations of humanity that was intentional on God's behalf. It of course happened differently than God had intended from the beginning, but it's an adaptation. It's what happens when things go askew because of principles that man does have at times challenges and following the laws of God, the ways of God. But it is a beautiful picture of both redemption as well as a tenacity for being in pursuit of God's will in the times of consequence. So right now in this passage, having been prayed for by our worship leader, in verse 20 of chapter 3, take note of this compliment that is being rendered by the father of humanity, not the father of faith, though faith was employed. He is with Eve, his wife, and they are the kickoff team. They're the ones that God had perfectly made, perfectly placed in position of authority over all the earth, over all living kind, had been given a perfect blessing. And in this chapter, there was a catastrophic consequence. In it, though, you hear the heart of God through Adam, for this is what he says, and I believe what we need to have a anchor on. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Part of the title today was obviously a clever drafting on that point. The mother of all the living. Adam saw what ultimately God had revealed in spite of the consequence that now both of these as a couple have experienced. They would be obviously evicted from the garden. They would be clothed not any longer in God's glory, but in animal skins that would indicate the sacrifice would be in place to ultimately point people to God in what it takes God to redeem man from sin. That's a picture that we see. Mother of all the living, anticipating that this couple, in spite 
of the treachery of what sin does and what the enemy had persuaded them to do, to be one, disobedient, Adam was, and to be influenced away from God's word, deceived, which Eve was. And to see that in this, though, God is forging ahead with them, not separate from them, and they're forging ahead together. It's going to be an arduous task. We can't fully appreciate that for these two and through that woman in particular, humanity would populate. And I don't know how to work out the math except exponentially propagate. Two lineages would be formed, consequence in the first two, which would be the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, a line that would be documented as highly spiritual and righteous, Abel, he being murdered soon in the next chapter by his brother Cain, elder, proved that the disposition of men would be always either with God or in conflict with God. And parents positioned in the center going, Oy vey, what do we do? Who would have thought of it? How can this be? But still maintaining a position, which is what we will see, that is stable in the Lord, even though everything else seemingly is falling apart. Mothers and fathers represented in the scriptures are team members. It's a team that they have, and at times it is a team that they would say, oh my goodness, who are these guys? I, they should all be benched. I only have one player here. The other four, where are they? Whomever, however many children we have, and some do not have children, that has another dilemma to it. But the compliment comes in spite of the consequence that has been given. She's the mother of all living. And so I would say to this, that's a compliment, mothers, to seeing that you remain steadfast with the heart of God in spite of the hardship of humanity and know that that's a compliment Mothers are being complimented. You know, for us at times, we go through seasons of it. Men have a different temperament, kind of a different engagement and a variety of things. I always laugh, though, kind of at football season. I was a football player, but there was a time when I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm getting killed by those who I used to kill because I just stopped growing and they didn't. And so it took really some severe injuries that just... I can't do it, so I picked up a guitar and did what I could do. But I still kind of chuckle to myself in the remembrance of what I once took great pride in and thought I was awesome at. And then I was basically needing to be benched. And at times when I sit with my brethren at the Super Bowl game and there's food on the table and we're looking at the players and measuring up the teams and we get excited about that pigskin that football yeah the touchdown oh that's awesome who saw that coming and the warring at times between who's in your living room and who's really on your side or who's really not on your side or who's neutral until they can pick a side and the moms usually are the ones that are 
providing the supply chain. And we get so excited about the football. And then I just kind of chuckled thinking, I wonder why maybe the women aren't totally necessarily into the pass, the deliverance of that ball. And I'm thinking to myself and going, you know, probably they say, I've been through that. I've delivered a ball. I've delivered something bigger than what that represents on TV. It's true. These Goliaths are colliding with one another and they're in armor. And a woman who is bearing a child is vulnerable, but stronger than any man in a uniform or out of uniform, whatever they're doing could ever be. That's why the old movies had the men portrayed as walking the hallways, passing out cigars, because it was the best they could do. <laughs> it was all they could do. To be in the delivery room probably meant they'd be fainting. It's a pretty incredible thing that the woman has been given the divine skill set and body system to do. So I wanted to make sure we camped on that. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Verse 4, or excuse me, 1 of chapter 4. This is important. Know deeply that Eve understands a future perspective she couldn't fully appreciate what she's saying, but she's prophesying ultimately of God's provision for redemption. And she voices it in this context. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, this is what she says, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And then she bore again, this time his brother Abel, and then the distinguishing traits of these babies that grew up. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Her voicing was that the credit belongs to God. She was pregnant with a child that was a male. This male is named Cain, and he would be as we mentioned earlier, finding himself at contrary odds with God and jealous with his brother Abel, who would by his hand pass away in a murderous act. This is a mother who would experience one of the first griefs of the loss of a child who was actually a man. But any mother, any father would say that's... That's my boy. That's my girl. That's our children. The projection, though, will be beyond that. For what we will continue to see is obedience to the word. That they are to multiply in fruitfulness. They are to populate the world. And they will do so under a new premise. The sacrificial system, which will be in place. They'll learn it. That's why when you see that God disdains Cain, it is because he chose to do with his hands 
what God says, I want you to acknowledge my hands. Abel, who would sacrifice a living animal in order to show the picture of what it costs to live a godly life before God by acknowledging the work of God would be, if you would, severely judged by his brother for his godly act. Where did that come from? Obviously, the nurturing heart of a mother who at one time in error would choose not to do that again, but to raise up her kids. What would Adam primarily be doing? We were told that he would work by the sweat of his brow. He would be industrial and Eve would be domestic. There is in the domestics, the industry of making it all work. Any man that enters into his house can measure, in my opinion, the excellency of it by what someone has labored to do while you're out in the field. It's usually the females within a home that keep the home. To me, it's rather a norm, and all I have to do is be left to myself and forget that Christy was coming home at a particular time and all of the things that I would regard as no big deal become a big deal because the pizza boxes are out, the dishes are on the counter. Oh, if I only had awareness that she was coming. The industry of a woman and the domestics is a tribute that God has given to them. And it's beautiful. Do I put down those who both in industry carry the domestics as well as industry? Nope. Women are amazing in multitasking. All you have to do is fire seven different questions at a guy who's focused on answering just one, and you'll see a meltdown. You'll see eyes cross. You fire those seven questions at a woman, and she's still able to not only drive the car, dictate a letter, answer all of them succinctly and in order and with precision and still get you from point A to point B. The guy just pulls over and says, I got to park and think about this. What was the second question now? Incredibly designed. The prophecy has been given. Eve believes it. Adam is behind it. And the rest becomes God's story of redemption. Oh, there's going to be another tragedy. It'll be global because man will find out that in and of himself and no matter how he multiplies himself, even in genealogy, without God, he's nothing. And anything that he does becomes nothing. And God will intervene to make that nothing into something in order to get us to the end, which is what we are believing presently. The time is so short. And the world scene says, man, it's ugly out there. Men continue to rebel against God. And the lineage of those who love God seems to be muted or as a political term would be marginalized. Why is that? But thank the Lord that what we are hearing about through the voicings and the prayers of women is that revival is at hand. The voice of hope is resonating in hearts that have been broken.
promises that have been brought to naught from the agencies of humanity because God is the answer. And I believe that primarily the woman is the keeper not only of that truth as men are the ones who indeed can amplify it in giftings of both teachings, prophecy, but the women keep the heartbeat, in my opinion, of God. And somehow this couple will be acknowledged, and in particular, Adam's compliment to her and the commitment that she had to stay on the task of raising the next generation. Thank you, mothers, for raising the next generation. Thank you for being considerate of the generation of youth that behind your children you have spiritual truth and you have love for. It's pretty awesome. And so before moving on to two other key areas of Scripture, I wanted to also share with you that actually even God has allowed culture to promote you moms through what we would call little quips, titles, comparatives. And you're familiar with some of, some of them. But I really do believe it's a compliment to you. Experience is the mother of wisdom. Now, we know what God says about wisdom, but this is nevertheless what you would call a compliment through the voice of culture. That someone in studying the attributes of a woman is able to say that experiences the mother of wisdom. It's not simply a generic term. It's implying that somehow there is a fruitfulness, there is a quality in what experience can do that's not correlated with a man in the get her done, but it's rather in a woman what can be done. There's the get her done, but a woman, what can be done? What is it that I can do? And wisdom we know is what God also grants us in our time of need. Well, there's another expression. Necessity is the mother of invention. It doesn't say the father, the mother of invention. Again, a cultural compliment by someone who in this phrase is able to say, I've studied her. Creative. She has ingenuity, and she's able to translate that really meaningfully. You've heard this one. Father time. What does that mean? And why does he look so old anyways? Is that a hourglass in his hand or a sickle. I always confuse them. Is he the reaper? Is he Rip Van Winkle? But the father time thing isn't really exactly encouraging. It shows, in my opinion, the demise of a man, not really eternally pictured at all. But Mother Nature, the maiden, seemingly of the creative work of God. Now we know that that has been used as a also primary focal point of culture. 
the worship of nature. But it is culture acknowledging something about the dynamics and something about the genetics of a woman's special tea in bringing life. Of course, without God, it can't happen. Some of you in your mind are going, wait, mothers of invention, you're thinking Frank Zappa. I know you are, Mike. A male band, and they call themselves the mothers of invention. Just like what a man would do. Mother bear, the protective, instinctive nature of a woman to guard. Doesn't say anything about a papa bear. I think he's at the stream just catching fish. Stripping the bones out and going, next. The mother's the protective source in that. A mother's patience. Awesome is her patience. Have you ever been overwhelmed, men, in helping to raise your children? They're so close together that you've got a little tribe, and mom wants to just go out and do what she does, get the groceries without having to pile in that grocery cart, the kids, or have them by log grab a hold of her jeans while she's walking the aisles. Just, can you watch the kids for a while, honey? Sure. Now, maybe your experiences have been better, but I'm going, really? We watched that movie already? Are you sure you saw that cartoon? Okay, here are the Legos. Just do something. No, I didn't want you to do that with them. No throw on the Legos. The patience of a mother to also take advantage of the time that she has productively and nurturing. It's inescapable. It's amazing. They are great teachers, awesome teachers. And then a mother's heart. A mother's heart God will use at the same time akin to himself, the heart of the Lord, both for his people, Israel, but for you and I personally. Pretty amazing. Take a look and go back to Psalm 139. Assuming that there was a prediction on that. This penning is actually beautifully, irrefutably written. And it is so powerful because it is describing through David what God has declared about the excellency within a woman of his creative force designing life. David would acknowledge something so, at that time, a mystery that reveals his connection with God and the connection that God has personally had within a woman's body to translate it literally from something that normative it is to something that it could never be apart from God. And then when the baby has been delivered to return it to its origin of self.
it's amazing that a body that God has designed that is a woman's body can within her womb be the creative, if you would, place, residency of God to work. And I wanted to share this with you. You're familiar with it, but it really has a reverent acknowledgement to God and I believe an accolade to the woman. Here's what the psalmist opens up with. Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. I think you have seen at times in the photo imaging that is available to us today that wasn't back then that they actually have documented the postures of kids who appear to be both standing up, kneeling in prayer within the womb, if they're twins, clasping hands. It's pretty amazing what photography has lended itself to in what is David's description right now of his adult movements. But he's saying in this, you've seen it all, Lord. You've seen me and you knew me. You understand my thought afar off. Have you ever wondered why there seems to be a disclosure to a mom that you're clueless how she found out about it? It's because of, I believe, her connection with the Lord to say, this is what I know. This is what I found out. David probably is alluding to that intuitive and spiritual sensitivity you comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before. David's acknowledging a defense and a protective work of God. And I believe he saw that both in his mother obviously in his father. When you look and find yourself able to reflect in your family life, and there can be challenges in that, can you acknowledge God in the portions of it in which you were miraculously and divinely delivered? You had the Lord who basically hedged you in. And it was attributable to your parents in whatever manner that you can say, my goodness, he worked in that situation. This is amazing what God has allowed me to come through. In spite of it all, in spite of the consequence of sin, it is amazing that God's hand is upon me as a young woman. It's amazing that God's hand is upon me as a young man. I have hope. David continues on in verse six. Laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. He moves in now to saying, in certainty, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. 
and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. You know, as husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, we get to actually see God working through us to project himself inspirationally to the kids that we have. Everyone has a story in which somebody saw something that you did that was to them unexplainable except for God being a revelation through what you did, an act of love, an act of protection, an act of sacrifice. But I would say certainly one of the largest boasts that the scriptures make is in the life of a woman who would give up her life for her child. Usually it's attributed that a man will give up his life for his wife, certainly to defend for the sake of his children. But one of the things that we always see is that for the life of a child, a mother will give her life up. It's just one of the notable things. It's not a, hmm, let me think about it. It's an immediate, I will, I shall. It is a warrior spirit for a nurturing mother to defend even to the giving up of her life, that child. Amazing. You can see it when a child becomes sick, the efforts that a mother will put in by the bedside. They become all of a sudden the doctor, the nurse, the EMT, the orderly. Everything that's necessary for the well-being of that child, they become. And so David now moves into the intimate disclosure of what God allowed him to see and what became ultimately his encouragement to us. And in particular, I think notably for a woman, you formed my inward parts, David says. That's what couldn't be seen. David's acknowledging you formed them. You covered me in my mother's womb. There's a tribute being specifically paid by the Lord through David's penning concerning the womb of the woman, the place in which that incubation period of nine months rots from God's hand a miracle of development irrefutable to the eye of the camera. It is not even arguable, though culture now saying it's flexible, it's arguable, it's opinion, it's whatever you feel. God says, no, it's not. And beyond science, it is spiritual. I do this by my word. I do it reflecting my spirit, brooding over all things chaotic, to bring them to a conclusion of perfection. I do that. I will praise you, he says, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. 
He's complimenting God, but he's made a position quite clear within the construct, the design, the place that a woman has reserved for a child to be matured. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God? How great is the sum of them? If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand when I awake. I am still with you. Verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Where is it that the principles that David is so easily able to bring forth as truth for us from what he has observed, where did it come from? Well, it obviously came from the lineage of spiritual truth through the nurturing of mothers, a grandmother before him, his father, the nuclear family, who as a child steeped in the scriptures, sensitive in the spirit, one who at a very early age would seek God, both confidentially and proudly in the wilderness, overseeing the things that both were the industry of his father's livelihood as well as the domestics of his mother's home. The youngest and least within his family became the biggest because probably somewhere in it, the voice of his mother would say, Davy, it's okay, you're getting picked on, but I have a special word. You've been picked by God. You'll be an example to your brothers who don't understand that you are uniquely set apart. You'll see, son. Words from mothers to daughters as well. It's not conclusive. The beings that are being spoken of in Scripture are human and spiritual and they are destined for the eternal. And no matter where mothers are today in the assessment of their children, God has both the final word and he's not through. Some of us got it earlier. Some of us connected to it midpoint. Some of us will get it later when the joints aren't quite as flexible, the mind isn't quite as clear but they'll get it. And the excellency of God's salvation and deliverance will not be taken away from the mother, from the father. Father's Day is coming, but we're here to celebrate the tenacity and strength and patience and kindness, the vitality of a mother, a mother who very often feels like she goes it alone, but she's not alone, for God has worked both within her womb and God works 
within the life of that child whom he has purposed to take further. Something that humored me, I'm going to humor you. I'm going to read it though so I get it right. So pay attention, sons and daughters concerning your mothers. Three sons left home. They went out on their own and they prospered. Getting back together, they had discussed the gifts that they were able to give their elderly mother, who having taken care of them all of these years, they wanted to honor, just to pay tribute to her. The first one said, I built a big house for our mom. And the second said, uh, I sent her a Mercedes with a driver. And the third one smiled and said, I've got you both. I really believe I've got you both. Oh yeah? What did you do? Well, you know how mom enjoys the Bible. Yeah? And you know she can't see very well to read it. Huh? I sent her a brown parrot. And that parrot can recite the entire Bible. It took 20 monks in a monastery for 12 years to teach him. And the only thing I had to do was to pledge $100,000 to that monastery for 10 years. All mom has to do though now is just name the chapter and the verse and the parrot will recite it. Soon afterwards, Mom sent out her letters of thanks to the boys. Milton, she wrote to her first son, the house you built, thank you, but it's so huge. I live in only one room, but I have to clean the whole house. Marvin, thank you, she wrote to the other. I am too old to travel, though. I stay home all the time, so I never use the Mercedes. And the driver is really rude. Dearest Melvin, she writes, this being her third son, you were the only one, the only son, to have the good sense to know what your mother likes. That chicken was delicious. <laughs> I don't tell jokes often, but that definitely tickled me. The title being the mother load, gold, is cleverly worded that you understand that no matter what the earth holds by God's standards, the womb of the woman holds a treasury far greater. Men pursue wealth and riches from the earth. Solomon will write on the excellencies as well of a Proverbs 31 woman, and her excellency is indeed what she does for her home and what she has contributed to her kids. 
and the lineage of faith. It is very likely that he is speaking not of the vast array of women that were a part of his life, but in particular the influence of his mother exclusively, who had kind of a hard start, Bathsheba. And she is being given accolades of the wisdom and instruction that she participated with God in the wisdom that ultimately would be reflected as a gift to him in his early 20s. The mother load, gold. What you've carried, mom's gold. Doesn't matter your opinion in the moment if it seems like copper or just a clump of coal. God is not through. The load that you carried in prayer, discouragement, the things that you would say have been disappointments, God is not through. The legacy of your achievement you can celebrate. Gold. It's God who is the creator of all the elements, who sorts it all out. When your child becomes the diamond that you believe they are, the shining gold, the silver, the precious gems, they are all there. They're under his auspices. He is a unique gemologist. He knows value. And the Lord would say to you that you have been blessed in the strength that he's given to you and carrying the next generation to the throne of God. And we can be very excited about that. We never give up. As a teacher, I never took the opinions of my colleagues before me. I allowed my understanding of that child to be what I would take them on to the next level. Never look through a file because what I wanted to do was to look into the eyes and the heart. And that was my teaching style. That's God's style too. You don't make decisions that supersede his work. You trust him for the outcome. And though you wished maybe something happened earlier, the most important thing is that it shall happen in the latter and for eternity, so we don't give up. So mothers, thank you for your industry, admirable. Thanks for your patience and what we would call our cheap entertainment on a Super Bowl day. You keep the food coming and inside you're going, trust me, I know what deliverance is in this life.